0: congratulations on the year thank you um it's kind of fun because like when we did the the one in the spring you know like i you got a feeling like where you're at with your head right i know i know it's at a pretty high level and then even to see the summer you had like there wasn't ever just like you didn't get to the spot early at all like where hey this is this team's gonna make the finals you know like you just kind of knew it was in the team and you could do it but it was also like you kind of had that, like, had to grind it
1: out all year. Didn't really have the the big wins till the end, right? For sure, yeah. We uh, we left for Reno, and we were in the top thirty. We had done good at San Angelo and Weatherford, and a couple of those. And then uh, when we got to Reno, we didn't win hardly anything from the time from Reno up until about the week of Sheridan. We placed at Sheridan, and I don't even remember where we split the win, maybe at Gunnison, and you know couple of them then a couple of weeks and then placed at Ogden placed at Spanish and then the week a lot and was when we got on fire you know yeah it's it's funny how like just throughout the whole summer like there's going to be
0: ups and downs and it can and it can be slow and and I think that's it really does it feels
1: better I think for a team if you can do it later because you kind of get tested early right, in the year for right? sure yeah no is a good feeling once you you know you kind of start to get your hopes down a little bit and get let down and it's hard not to not to lose your confidence a little bit and then you get on a roll right there in the second half like we did and then all at once your your hopes come back and you get that fire under you again and it's a pretty good feeling so right right uh and
0: one thing too for everyone listening uh we're gonna do this one a little bit different we've been doing the the rundown episodes and that's what we're gonna do tonight but i was like all right well we could get together and And kind of go over some runs together. And we're like, well, let's just make it a podcast as well. So that way, if we want to talk about rodeo or whatever we want to talk about for a while, we we kind of got some some options like that too. Right here, this is just kind of fresh, just happened. Um, We had our Monday night match the other day, which definitely a different setup, real long barrier. And it's a situation at an open where you're catching. Like you just need to catch steers because it's an eight steer average. So with that what is the mindset and
1: how does that kind of shift because
0: there's there's really not a lot of ropens like that right
1: right no it was a good roping and thanks to x-factor and everybody for putting it on um it was a real long barrier you know you knew you had a lot of arena to play with and those good strong steers and so kind of wanted to make it something a little different and so when, when doug and i got there we had the mindset of knowing it was an eight steer average and and progressive and everything else and so we just kind of thought like you said it was literally just catch so we just were gonna make our horses do right and and you know make sure everything was good in our swing and on our, ourselves and and go in it with the mentality of if we just catch eight clean they're probably gonna pay us we might not win first but they're probably gonna pay us you know so that's just what we try to do the whole rope and was just get through it you know make sure our horses were doing good and make sure we were doing good and just make practice pin runs almost you know
0: yeah yeah so no that's that's what's really unique about this is it's like i'm your angles of your rope are a little bit different. Like, so if you are a, a lower number header, um, I think this would be a lot of what to study for how, how this, you set this up because just like this first steer here, uh, take me through this lane position and what, what do you think sets this run up? Cause I, I know this actually isn't your first round, but this is one of,
1: one of the, like your third steer, right? Second or third steer. I, I honestly, I run so many that <laughs> night. I don't even remember, okay. but, um, Man, the main thing I tried to do right here, they were Hilton's, you know, strong M-brands. Most of them M-brands don't have very big horns, and so the main thing I was trying to do was get just wide enough to where I could, uh, you know, really get their head and their shoulders and pull them through their stuff good for Doug, but I didn't want to get so wide to where I was pulling my rope at a weird angle where it was probably going to come off the left horn, so I just tried to ride, you know, right out there, you know, lane, I guess you'd say like lane two, right in the middle of lane two, and just run up there, be sharp my rope. I really tried to get in time with my horse, um, make sure my swing and everything was perfect, and where I could make it hit tight on the horns, where there wasn't much chance of it coming off. And so, uh, I think that night, I, personally, I was pretty happy with myself on how I went through about all that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So going to this this run here on this white steer, I think this is something
0: that happens quite often with deep boxes is you get a steer that's going to change how he runs so like for example this happened quite often with the the bear bear being so long they'd see the healers first right so like this steer's going to push off to the right and then he's he kind of gets fading back to the left about midway and when that happens as a header what do you think's gotta gotta stay together to make that the run like that that's still that you're not taking a lot of risk with your rope you
1: know you're just running up catching trying to set your healer up what's got to come together to set that up i think one thing you got to do on that is kind of prepare for that a little bit practicing you got to get your horses to where they can kind of read the play but more than anything they can kind of read you where when you get up there you don't want to like start to rein your horse off because then he's going to think you're turning him off so then you got a chance of him ducking and stuff but You know, like, you got to get him to where, like, I'm hand down going to him because he was going off to the right. But then, like, you'll see me kind of start to pull away just a little bit with my left hand. What you can't see right there is that I used my right foot, and I tried to just kind of squeeze him just barely to the left to where... And that's what I think you got to prepare for a little bit. you got to get your horses where you can use your feet. You can guide them. You know, like right there, I'm punching pretty hard with my left spur, trying to get him over, pushed over to the right. And then as he steps into me, I kind of pick up a little bit with my left hand and I use my right spur to push him back over to the left just a little bit. But I think that's very important to get your horses where you can kind of do that a little bit on them. For instances like that, if one's pushing to the right, you you need to be able to use your left spur pretty good. Or if one's pushing to the left, you need to be able to use your right spur pretty good. So is that something
0: like practicing going slow on different types of cattle that will give you some right and left and and you and a, having kind of a bigger big enough arena that you can take some extra swings? Is that where
1: you get that out of in the practice? Absolutely. Over there at Paul's, he's got three old M brands um, that have been in his house for probably four years. One of them is so big that the back gate won't hardly close with him in it. And they just trot and they lead their self off and I get more good out of those steers on my good horses than I do real life steers because I can go down through there leave my left hand down and I can just, you know, some of them will kind of lope down through there and then they come to the left or they might go to the right. But more than anything, I make my horse just head down and go wherever they go. And I think it's important to rope a lot of slow steers uh, so that you can go slow and do it really good. And like you said, have time to mess with them a little bit before the end of the arena comes up. But I think that's you're exactly right. That's something you got to work on, practicing a lot on some just slow steers where you can make your horse go where you want them to go. They need to be able to stay in between the bridle reins and follow your left hand, and they need to be able to stay in between your feet. Where if you, you know, you're guiding them with your feet a little bit, that they can they can do that. Yeah. So the the couple things that got to work
0: together, your hands and your feet, and how you can your horse will be placed right there, right? right. And then the next kind of component to having a, I think, high percentage being a high percentage header is your swing's got to be in a good spot and, for sure and the one thing about open jackpot heading is the when you're hitting the mouth of the box it seems like your tippy rope needs to be a little bit higher and you kind of got to hunt that shot a little bit more where like the the more the the and numbers go down and the more you just kind of run all the way to them and catch it seems like the steeper your rope can be because you're going to run a little bit closer right and i think this is one of these days where the, the steers do have some smaller horns for for as fast as you're running so like a wave off shot is was probably one of the most common miss that yeah, that night for, sure. for the headers uh so take me through the angles of your swing like what where did you like that at for that kind of running up to that
1: hip shot where does it look like it It's at right here? Uh, Like you can see, I don't swing real early. I tried to kind of pack, leave my rope down and and get a lot out of my horse coming across there. But, um, I tried to have it, you know, pulled down a little bit where I could get them kind of deep. Like you were saying, you know, you you know, change the angles of it. You know, you're going to run close, pull it down there deep and, um, you know, get them as far down around the eyes as you can. That's less chance of it coming off. But, um, I think for the most part, right there like whenever you're like for lower numbered headers especially you gotta you gotta get the most out of your horse you can and a lot of times if you come across there and swinging too fast and you got it pulled up too high you'll be too high on your horse and your horse won't know to get down and run so i think it's not always a bad thing to have it pulled down a little lower to where they know that you're almost kind of pushing them down in the ground and keeping them running with your swing a little bit
0: yeah so like it it almost swings um through the horns or even Maybe even like, I would call it through the horns or the horn wrap area. Like the back of his head is where your like tip, tip exactly. is, is that yep. when you're saying that. When you say pack in your rope, what does that kind of help you do?
1: Do you build some timing with your horse when you pack your rope like that? Uh, I think more than anything, like I said, I just was trying to let my horse know that in, in that first probably shoots maybe even 60 feet of the arena, I'm just trying, we're, we're only thinking about running and catching up. Like, I don't want him thinking anything about roping and turning left at that point. The first thing I want him to do when he comes across there is, you know, trying to get to the cow. And so I, I wanted to take roping out of his mind or out of the equation right there for the first little bit because, like I said, they were they were strong and you needed all you could get out of out of your head horse to get up there to him that night.
0: Yeah. Being efficient with your horse's feet too. Like that's, that's just something to, to be conscious of all the time as a header. If you can place those feet yep, and you can get your horse to your spot, the, the quicker you can do it, the obviously the, the better you're going to be able to do your job and the faster you're going to do your job. For sure. And, and so that's just one more thing, like with deep boxes and stuff like that, the more you can focus on your riding and how your horse places. Um, and if you want, like by one way to do that is just taking away swinging your rope and just yep, packing your
1: rope, right? For sure, uh, I'm trying to just kind of stay really in time with my horse's stride right there to make sure I don't get any wave offs. But and, and also to try to keep it tight, keep it tight between my, the the steer's horns and my saddle horn to where... The more slack you have, the more liable you are to kind of jar the steer a little wrong or, or, or you know, whip them a little bit and, and get a get a jerk down right there. And they were so fresh, as you can see from that one. He's kind of stalling and jumping around everywhere like he's lost. And so I'm trying to keep it real tight between my horse and the steer to where if I need to push up a little bit, I can, or if I need to pull back a little bit, I can. But there's there's no, you know, there's no uh, wasted rope right there, no slack to where you might, might get a funky give your healer a funky go you know this is the seventh round right
0: here and i think you got to be in a pretty clear spot mentally to to do this because you one you're at the point where you guys are far enough ahead that it's just catch at this point right you know it's just get out of the barrier turn the steer so when you get this steer that like as he clears he's kind of like looking back at you like any right there you know and i think that's it adds a A weird shot selection, right? It it presents itself like, it looks like you're going to be able to just, he's going to be a little bit straight or maybe off to the right, going to be a layup. And then he kind of throws his head up and comes into you and you're able to go the extra swing without like really like changing anything. I I, like you kind of pull and help your horse, but he's reading it really well, which this is a pretty special horse anyways, but I think that's also the other thing was there wasn't like a predetermined shot. Like a lot of the the feel was through your horse for, right. that, for that run right there, right? Right,
1: and like we were saying, you know, um, it's not always a bad thing to not be looking for that shot right there because like we were saying at that rope, and the biggest thing was getting the most out of your horse. And so the, I think a lot of low-numbered guys should pay attention to that too because you're, you're always – you know as far as that roping you're always just catching is what you're, you're trying to do the whole time and so the worst thing you can do is be you know up and looking for that shot and as he's slowing down it would have been real easy just to pull up get about two swings off and just you know send it at him but I knew that was a low percentage shot being that steer was you know looking around like you said looking back at me and kind of jumping around and he could have jumped right or left just a tick as I was delivering and caused me to miss and in that instance like you said, that was we were seventh round, we were winning the roping on six. We knew we just needed to make one more good run to come back and be high teamer and so I think it's it's a good thing sometimes to be down riding and only can only concentrating on going to the steer at that point rather than looking for that shot. Sometimes when you're looking for it instead of riding instead of riding to your shot, when you're looking for it instead of riding to it, it can really cause you to mess up sometimes. I think it can cause you to make some bonehead mistakes that you'll look up and be like, Gosh, if I'd have just rode to the steer and took an extra swing. I might not have won first, but I could have won third, which is more than what I won, being I got a no time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think as a header, is that something like you try to do first all the time is just use your horse first? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Use my horse. And I think there's, you know, there's certain ropings like when we did the run down at the 3S roping and stuff. Those ropings were so tough. You didn't really have time not to be looking for that shot when you come across there. But you had to be riding your horse when you did it. No matter what, even if the roping's getting tough, you have to always be riding your horse and and trying to get to the steer no matter if you've got to be three five or eight five, and so uh, I th- I think that there's certain times you do have to have your swing up and ready and and, and be ready for it when it presents itself. But um, you know you've got to let the shot present itself. You can't just drop three coils from the back forty and just expect it to work if your horse isn't down going to the cow. Not very many times in a row is that going to work, you know. Right. And and the other thing too, is you can like, you can build off of this, uh, a little bit more
0: where you can be more aggressive. You can pick your spots. Right. Um, so like, and or you could know the rope. And so some of these opens are so tough that like that steer before you probably couldn't have gone that extra swing when he was right. kind of laying up, you, you would have probably just tried to do it and get him with your rope right there. Right. For sure. And, and then, but also there's times where just like that one where you know you just got to go catch him. But if you can have your horse's feet working for you first, it seems like those shots become more and more available. And then you also get the opportunity to like gauge it more like, and you get more selection with how you want to head in that rope. And so if it's, if you do need
1: to speed up, you can, or if you do need to lay up, you can, or if you just, you can kind of stay with whatever runs. Yeah, for sure. No, you got to have your horse helping you. You got to have him working for you. And like you said, kind of knowing how your horse does what in certain situations will always help that too. Right. So short round, is this, uh, is this the oddest short-round run you've had in a while? For sure in an open-rope, and there's not very many times you got to be 14-something to take the lead. Uh, I think Andrew and Buddy went right before us. The, from about the fifth or sixth round on, that was really the only team that was right there close with us. And um, in the short round, they drew that steer that come left so hard, and they got, them a, they got a half head and kind of pulled him around over by the tractor and Buddy. You know how Buddy is, like, he ain't missing for money. So he made sure he got all the way in there to him, got him timed uphill. him. I think they went, like, 12, which wasn't odd for this roping because of how fresh the steers were and how long the start was. And so when they went 12, um, they went to the lead, and they said we had to be 14. And I knew if we made a clean run, chances are we were probably going to be under 14. So my biggest deal was, uh, you know, make sure you get out, ride your horse all the way to him. Make sure you have it pulled down there like you want. Get him headed dally handle them good let doug get in there and do what doug does you know
0: right you know that that's what's kind of crazy about this one is this steer's real good and you're able to get a few extra swings off right
1: how do you stay out of your mind right there when you're taking them extra swings i uh i honestly like sometimes them extra swings can be my nemesis but I knew I needed to get up there and get all the way leveled off where there was no, you know, gain on my horse, so that I wouldn't uh, wouldn't pop it off. And so I think I just when I was taking those extra ones, I just had to tell myself to be sure and kind of stay, keep my tip coming around, keep everything in time, keep everything in a circular motion. Don't you know? Don't push my rope too much to where my tip hasn't made it all the way around before I deliver. And I think I just. To, to dumb it down a little bit, I just got up there and tried to make sure my swing was real open, and I followed all the way through to the back of the head and took my rope all the way to the back of the head and made sure I got them caught, you know? Yeah, too, and it's
0: like one of those things where uh, that steer was a little bit better than what you what you probably had been getting most of the day, and you caught up, and you even pick your rope up naturally, like a little bit faster than normal, like you didn't pack it. And so you can see that, the timing with your horse, you're really waiting for that, right. which— he offered it probably one or two swings before, but being able to go the extra couple of swings and have that have the feel of the big open measured loop, that's man, I think that's pretty special when you have that kind of control. For sure. And and you can get it at the end of a roping, right? Not yeah. not the very first one. For you sure. Know? And yeah. I I think that comes from a lot of real good horsemanship, a lot of really good riding, and that kind of creates that shot right, right. there. This is what I thought was going to be really fun about this is, you know, just kind of watching you head a little bit and and kind of from our previous conversations and rundowns, like I I feel like your jackpot game is really good. I really like how you jackpot and how you set the run up and you can see that like there's a lot of things that you do really well um, controlling the steers' heads, but rodeoing, it's so tough now. It's tough. (laughs) That, it's real tough. <laughs> you gotta you gotta throw a lot out the window, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of caution to the wind, kind of. Yeah, and and so there's some keys to making things like that are similar at the jackpots, but there's also the the risk factor and the shot selection is is a lot different, right? So we're sure. Kind of gonna stay on the on the gas as far as where we're going. So. This first rodeo right here, this looks like Lawton, right?
1: Yep, Lawton, Oklahoma. This was the first steer I had actually got to run at a rodeo after I bought this horse. Um... This was kind of right there before everybody leaves to go to the Northwest. I bought this horse from one of my good buddies in Missouri. Um, actually, uh, another good buddy of mine previously had owned him for, shoot, probably seven, eight years. And he amateur rodeoed and circuit rodeoed and stuff on him. And another one of my really good buddies up there had got him. And he hadn't had him real long. And I talked him into selling him to me. I run one steer on him and, and bought him uh, the the week of like Dodge and all that. And I didn't. I bought him or run steer on him and left and then called him you know, the next day or something, I was driving, and I bought him over the phone. And uh, so I didn't get him to, like, the Spicer Grip. And I got to practice on him one day right here before we got a lot. And that morning, um, me and Doug practiced a little bit, and I run a handful of steers on him. So this was my first live-action run. And I was actually a little bit nervous right here because I was, like, you know, I'm fixing to leave to go to the Northwest. And this I just gave a lot of money for this horse. I hope it works. You know what I mean? you know, when you got a new horse, it's, it's a different feel with, especially heading to me. For sure. It's, it's, it can be, it can be a make or break deal because it's hard to get with a new head horse, I think. What is your focus there on, uh, on those
0: rodeos like that? Is there something that you try to do on how you're going to ride and how you're going to, try well, to get with this horse or i
1: knew this horse scored amazing and um he was just real flat and he tries real hard to go to the cow like he's got his ears pin trying so my idea was i just was told myself to try to be as close as i could to the barrier and then just you know h- head towards the steer and getting and, and then just kind of try to feel a stride out and throw at the right time in a stride where nothing would be loose or you know pop it off or anything so honestly i just kind of winged it but the few key points that you have to do on any horse i, I just tried to keep them in mind you know well, and two, and that—that that I think that keeps it easy because if you're gonna try to
0: hit the barrier or be aggressive scoring, well, you might break the barrier or you might get out, but either way, you can get a good feel for the right. run, right? So, you could even like say, hey, well, if I break the barrier and I just, you know, score a little bit less than what i should have well yeah. you
1: still get a pretty good feel out of your horse and you can like start building that confidence as opposed to like for sure and like we've talked before on on rodeos they're so tough anymore you can't afford not to take a chance at the barrier anyways what was the start over here one under, or one I, over i or? think it was one over yeah they were some of hilton steers again and they were little and fresh and wiry and we were one of the last teams to go that night i think we were probably 10 from the end There was probably 60 and uh I mean that was they were they were wiry little boogers, and so I just kind of told myself just stick to the plan, but also a good a good solid run was going to win good money. I think we were maybe four eight on that one, and there was one team that went four seven. I don't remember who went four seven, but somebody went four seven and beat us. But you know the the one thing about a a one over start, which
0: uh, I guess for. People want to know, um, that like if the box is 17 foot, then the score line would be 18 foot. So it'd be a foot longer than the box. Right. Um, and when it's typically one over, that's a pretty long score. You're, you're really outside of like, it's in the top
1: longest barriers you're going to see. Like, that's kind of like, you'll see it a lot, but it's, that's a very common score for, you know, what we're doing pro rodeo and, um. And it it can feel short, it can feel long, but either way you look at it, they're still a pretty good ways away from you when you hit the line. So, you know, you got to be thinking about roping because the rodeos are so tough, but you also got to be trying to get some out of your horse right there too. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest difference between
0: um, like circuit rodeos or like amateur rodeos, what you're going to see is your horse has to cover more of a gap. Right. right? The bigger the pro rodeo is typically or like that that one over start, your horse is going to have to cover a gap, which – it, it makes it interesting because you see, like Dustin Agasqueza, who it really don't matter. It don't matter. Yeah, he can do them with you know he can throw so much rope all the time. And Tyler Wade and there's these guys that like they can reach so far. Um, and and they'll get making some runs in these situations. You're like, well, for sure. I, yeah, yeah. they kind of like it's not. It's just not a normal run. They, you know, these guys are just so good with it. But for sure. So for you right here, man. I love how you ride your horse, and to be able to get to the third swing right there, like what? Why do you think that's that happens? Because I, I think you, you know, you, he's he's kind of fading a little bit, right? And the steer's sharp, but that's I think that's what's wild about this is you guys are fast.
1: I, what do you win second at this rodeo? Yeah, we won second in the first round right here, uh, man. Uh, that horse, he he's just really good about letting you take him maybe a swing farther, but he keeps everything tight. He pulls him through good, and he, you know, he finishes so good that Doug was able to just stay with his rope and get him healed. But I was looking at him when when he dallied pretty much, you know, and I think that was a lot of it. Was that we were able to run him just maybe a hair farther, but you'll see right here. I mean, like he's dallying, and I'm, I mean, I'm pretty much looking at him. So yeah, and and that's the other thing with these two headers is there's times where you can go the extra
0: swing right like you went right. to that that second or the third swing and you can make up for it by how I mean these steers are a little bit fresher and harder to heal and for sure. that one opened up pretty good but you could tell he was wanting to be yeah. a little bit wild back there and you're able to to kind of open him up and and I think those are like those are kind of the little details, right, that For sure. when you're heading in some of these runs that end up winning money and you guys use maybe a little bit more arena than most of your, like, four-second runs that you typically would make, Right. right? Talk to me about what that feels like, how this horse breaks these steers down in the, in the turn.
1: You know, like he, he he's kind of weird. He might give you like a little bit of a step when you throw. Like it almost maybe sometimes look like he wants to start to try to duck. I think he's just so smart. He's been roadied on so long and he's such a winner. He's almost just helping you keep it on the horns tight, maybe get a, take, give you a half a step or so to get the slack out and get it on the horn. But then he's light enough. Like you can right there, you just kind of sit down and almost quit riding and let the steer, you know, let him come back to you you let the steers head and shoulders come around and then you just go ahead and send them out and the steer opens up and it just seemed like on that horse dougie knew where they were headed every time because when i got on that horse dougie threw in the same spot every time and nine times out of ten it was two feet so yeah
0: yeah and i think that's like one of the keys right to to winning and having a successful summer is your head horses being able to to help you out and and then also take tens off throughout the run. So like, yeah, I've done some of these with like, like T Wade, and we went through that that buckskin horse that he rode a little uh-huh. bit, and you're like, man, that sucker could he could get some he could reach so far, and that horse would still stay soft on the horn and finish yep. so strong. And and you know every header is going to have a little bit different style. They're, the teams are going to be different, so you kind of got to find your like your run and
1: your ways of winning, right? But, yep, and I think it's important too, like. And each horse is gonna be a little different, but one thing your each horse has to be able to do is make the same the same kind of moves every time because your healer has to know for the most part what's gonna happen next, you know. And it seemed like right there Doug almost knew where that steer was headed and, and it was after we made these first few runs right here, that first week I got my horse, Doug knew where they were going after that and it seemed like when I got that horse we really went to winning, you know. The saw horses what you rode. Most of summer. Yeah, and I, I rode him, and I rode him somehow even after I got the blue. Uh, towards the end of the year, you could tell he was kind of starting to get a little sore. He was starting to dread a little bit. I mean, shoot, at this point, he had been on the road two months, and there was a lot of 20 hour trailer drives right there, and he was just. You know how it is. They get to dreading it, and he was he was tired, and he was a little over it. And I think the biggest thing was is he had a horse to kind of take some off of him. Shoot, he's back to feeling good now, as you've seen at that rope. And, I mean, I thought he did amazing, and he really helped me. But this Blue Roan was sure a lifesaver, uh, not just because he's a good horse, but because he took some of, off my sorrel too. So Yeah, I think
0: um, being able to go a couple of head horses throughout the summer is... For sure. I mean, if you want to head for a long time... You probably better have more yeah. than one. You know, I, I you can, you Three can. Three or, or four don't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Or five or six. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's honestly what it takes to keep them fresh because there is so much ass of these horses throughout there. Yeah. And it is kind of like this. You you got to think, well, that sorrels at this point
1: has been in the trailer for six seven weeks and and i mean there's a lot of times that i mean when you leave prineville head back to Greeley, and it's 20 hours and you leave Greeley and head right back out to saint paul that's another 20 hours and people i mean they always hear people say that it's not the steers that kills them it's the miles and you'll see that if you rodeo for a summer you don't run that many steers before your horse starts to get tired and you don't feel very good when you're loping him around and you're like gosh dang we ain't even roped that much but when they ride on the trailer for 20 something hours at a time and stuff, it's hard on them, you know? Yeah.
0: Yep. And, um, well, and it's just like this, you know,
1: you're able to go a horse, which that's a big roll of the dice, right? right. I mean, it was a big, it was a big roll of dice. I, honestly, my mom and dad were a little bit up mad at me. They were like, why are you riding that blue so much? All right. I'm like, I mean, I, I don't really have a lot of choice as far as my sorrows, little tired, little sore, and I'm doing all right on the blue and this and that. I, I just, it was a big roll of the dice and, I'm sure Doug was a little bit worried about me at first, but, it, and it could have went the opposite way too. You know, I could have looked up and been like, gosh, dang, if I'd have just stayed on that sorrow, we might've got a little closer to making it. But, um, it, it just kind of different, different ways for different people, I guess. But, well, I think at the end of the day on those,
0: you got to be able to live with your decisions, right? right. And, <laughs> and there's, everyone's going to have input, but, you're, you're going to know what's best for you. And, and then also you got to be strong enough to know when you're wrong and fix it. Yep. For sure. And, and I think that's, that's kind of the, the biggest deal. So it's, it's when it goes right though, and you feel like you did yourself the the right way, it's like this, you guys can take what was an okay summer probably, or I would, you know, like you're saying, maybe even a little bit disappointed how the summers went to, right, Hey, like we need to make something kind of. We got to get it turned around yeah, right, right here, sure. and, and this
1: this kind of seems to be one of the keys. So um, this is sykeston Missouri, right? Yep, this is pretty much my hometowner. I grew up about forty five minutes west of here, but I mean everybody, everybody. I mean I know everybody around here, and so this is always a hard rodeo for me to rope at. I roped at I guess this, this was my third year I could pro rodeo, and. Um, it's a hard road here for me to rope at. You know how it is when you're around your hometown crowd and they're expecting you to do good and you're expecting yourself to do good and especially right here this would have been my second. We went from Lawton the day before. We drove all night over there, stayed at my parents and went to the over there to the Slack this morning and uh, this is my second live run on that roan. and they were some of my buddies, natives that lives right there and so of course the native cattle, like some of them did this, some of them did that and then they might change on the second run and Actually, Ryan Von Onn had this steer first. They were the first team out on him, and I liked him a lot. I knew he was a good steer. And um, Right here, just another two-header, uh, just wanting to do good, keep the ball rolling. I just tried to get out, take an extra swing, make sure I had him. And, I mean, as you can see, that horse just really helped me do the kind of the same thing on that steer. And Doug knew where he was headed, and Doug got aggressive on that one. <laughs> Yeah, that was some
0: hometown scoring, though, right there, dude. You just blew the barrier out, too, you know. And
1: well, this arena, like this wall. has one of the dream. hardest places to rope because what people don't realize is, and it's hard for me to point it out because I can't see my finger, but where that judge is sitting right there is actually where a lot of guys could hang it on one. And I've seen a lot of guys hanging on them right there. But what you can't tell us is how, and you've probably been there, what you can't tell us is how close that fence is to where that judge is sitting. Um, There's a lot of guys that get it, you know, have the rope cocked come across their one two stick it on them they turn and bam they hit the fence like it is a, it's a diamond shaped arena and if you headed if you get it on them in the first 15 feet you will run into the left fence and so it seems like if you can have a steer almost like that that stays straight and, and it's decently sharp uh you want them to blow up and kind of wait on you but one that leaves and and, and sharp and straight where you can almost take a couple of swings and keep it tight you can you can win more money you know doing that because if i would headed him two swings sooner i wouldn't have had a whole lot of room to turn off you know
0: that's just knowing the situation right there i mean right just blew the barrier back great scoring and then but it also when you hit the barrier like that you knew it, to, to ride through that shot right. and just take the extra swing get him on real short rope and i mean you've got him on real short rope and you're not that far away from the wall when you face right so that, that's what uh, i i mean I, like I said earlier, if you, if a guy's reach, they're done. They don't mm-hmm. win anything over there, and I and that's just um, I think that's also part of being a, like a rodeo header is you're going to get in a lot of different arenas mm-hmm. and you're going to get a lot of different looks at the score and and how you handle these situations increase. That's how you increase your odds of of for sure. Just it, right? kind of experience and knowing what to do at each place, you know. We get a little different angle at this one. Uh, this is kind of Northwest time, right?
1: This is yep. uh, Kennewick, right here. Yep, we actually skipped a week right there. Uh, there's some rodeos we'll see here in a minute that were the week before, but uh, we had come off of a really good week. The week after Sycamore, we flew out. You know, go to like Cal- you know you go to Caldwell, uh, Gooding, Canby, Billings. Um, I guess that'd be about it for most people but um we had a good week that week we won. I think we won 10,000 so then coming into this week Kennewick uh just Kennewick and Bremerton that week and the barrier is actually two over right here and so I mean you really had to do some scoring and some riding I knew this steer was pretty strong I think Jackson and Marty had him at Hermiston um so I just tried to get his good start and just get the first one knocked down with it being two over there you know you can't make more out of a situation than possible so i'm just trying to kind of go do our deal i think we were actually like six one maybe like a whole lot of place i think they paid eight monies i think we won maybe ninth in the first round so we weren't in a terrible spot um just big strong steer and did what we could do on them you know after a couple big weeks well you're in a new spot Right, as far as standings go. are you
0: do, you do you pay attention to where you're at in the standings at this point?
1: You know, I did, and, and growing up, I remember junior rodeoing and stuff, I would always look at the points and see if I was ahead of my buddies and this and that, and my mom and dad would always chew me out and be like, you don't need to worry about that, you need to worry about... Catching going steer for steer and blah, blah, blah. And that is true at times, but I also think there's times like, you know, Paul and I got to talk and they were in, by this point, they were in an almost worse spot than we were this late in the year. And like Paul said, he said, you're in a spot now where you have a chance to make it. And yeah, you want to win what they let you win, but in the same breath, If you want to win, if you want to make it, you're gonna have to place in both rounds in the average at a lot of places, and maybe win a round and place in another one and win the average and stuff. So, it just got to a point where I kind of knew what we had to win uh, to make it. I I knew what the end, what about what the end dollar would be to make it, and um, I knew how much money we could win at each place and stuff, and kind of had it figured up. So, I was trying to kind of pay attention and know what we needed to do at each place in order to stay stay on track and you know I was kind of looking at the long-term deal there thinking well if we you know we don't necessarily got to win the first round at Kennewick but if we you know place in one round and win one round and place on an average it, it'll dang sure help us so yes and no I, I don't love what being a standings watcher but it's important to know where you're at and and how much money's left to win and what you've got to do at each spot in order to get to your end goal you know yeah, because
0: that's, that's dangerous, right? Because it's like right there, you know, that, that steer is strong. Right. And so that's probably why you decided to make that run. But you hit the barrier really good. It and was hard not to ship it. It yeah, was really hard. I, I'm kind of surprised, you know, right. like uh, honestly. like and, and really, if this run would have been later in the week of this same week rodeo, and you might have. Probably uh, so. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you'd have been to those other few rodeos, you might have just win him right here if you're watching the standings, right? But I think that's also something it can be an advantage or a disadvantage. You kind of got to know the, the deal. And for you to like, Hey, this steer is going to be strong. Uh, I'm going to take a risk, get the rodeo shortened up, like try to make a, get by this steer and really take risk a little bit later. If you do come into something a little bit better and draw, you know, I mean, that's just something like, like I said, you got to live with it. Right. And I think everyone's got to make these decisions. And, um, so here's
1: your second steer. Uh, what was he? I knew uh, I don't remember gosh I don't remember who had him first but we knew he was a good steer. We knew he wasn't a loper, but we knew he was good and I got way closer to the barrier right here than I really meant to, but I also knew we needed to do good and so I come across there and I really didn't even think I got it on him that fast, but Dougie healed him super fast and we got a great finish. I didn't it felt like we all dated him and I, and for nobody. I mean there was like one 4 second run the day before and we look, I look up uh, to the right, it's the crow's nest over there above the bucking shoots, and I look up. We were four six, and I was like, "Holy cow!" I did not feel that fast, you know. And for the barrier being that long and stuff, I was pumped because I was like, "Heck!" I knew I didn't know if we would win the round, but I knew we were going to win good. And so I was like, sh- "I was I was really pumped about this run. This is probably one of my favorite runs we made all summer, just because it felt so easy. But my opinion, it was a great run for the setup and stuff. That's one of those runs where it's like, man. You know, being
0: are you 20 or 21 years old, 20 yeah, 20 years old, a lot of headers that are that age and young headers are going to, they're going to abandon the riding right. and they're going to abandon things and they're going to try to, to reach and really like give up part of the team, you know, your, right. your horse. And for the, for the fact that you stay with it right here and you scored perfectly and so your job, when you score perfectly, your job's usually pretty easy. Right, and, for sure. And you did that. You know, you didn't do anything real complicated. You, you stayed within, rode your
1: horse, set the... Doug healed that one great. I mean, great. I keep- once again, he got aggressive right there. Yeah, yeah. Doug, <laughs>
0: D- Doug was aggressive on that one. and uh, But, you know, you set it up to where he could take risk and he could take that shot. Right. And that's a real similar to, like, the one, well, like most of his heel shots we've seen so far is right. you're kind of allowing
1: your, your partner, too, to 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 be aggressive. And, and like I said, it was like after I got this horse, like, he knew right here, he didn't really spot throw, but he threw so fast that, like, a lot of guys wouldn't have known exactly where that steer was headed, and it was like he had no hesitation. He knew exactly where he was headed and where he was going, and so he just rode high and put her down there like he was trying to win something, you know? Yeah. I And one of those things, too, like I think Doug is one of the best healers around,
0: and it's like For he's, sure. he's just young, and yep. that's the reason why not many people know it yet, it, but if you're around Stephen area you got a pretty yeah, good idea. They
1: they will. Doug, Doug is amazing. Yes. I mean he, he's had he's had the finals coming for him for a long time. I agree. Know? And his work ethic and everything he's just, he's a good run. And for he's, sure, he's one of those
0: guys that this is this is what he you know he's been working for is opportunities like that. And you know to see him do that is pretty awesome.
1: For sure. we got these out of order right here. This one will be the week before this was the week of Caldwell. So this would have been the week after Sykeston, um, had a little tough luck on the first one over there. I think the barrier, I don't remember. It might've been two over there too. I don't really remember, but you know how it is there. The boxes are kind of deep steers feel a long way from you. When you hit the line, they were strong. Uh, they come from Deadwood maybe. And I mean, over there at Deadwood, you were there, they were all there and they were strong. And, um, So we had went to run the first one at, uh, here and didn't do any good. And then, um, Went to Canby. We were doing good at Canby, so we were coming off of a, a couple good runs over there. And I got back on my sorrel here. Uh, Colby had kind of told me he thought that this was a place not to ride their own. He said thought it hurt his confidence a little bit with them being so far out in front of him and him not feeling like he could catch up fast and stuff. So I got back on my sorrow right here, and we weren't exa- exactly sure how good this steer was. We thought he was decent. We actually had him the first time at Deadwood, and he he ran. He was fast, but he had got caught a few times after that, and. So we knew he was going to be all right, and so I, I mean, obviously we were out of the average. So and the second round there was tough. So my plan was just to hit the barrier and ship it and hope for the best, kind of. You know, when when you go to reach in like
0: that, your upper body stays real consistent. Like that, that's one thing too. You see a lot of headers when they reach or really like want to get a lot out of their horse um, jackpot, and they'll break at the waist. And that's something like when I watch your head, you really don't do. Like you're really good about riding across the line, but your upper
1: body stays pretty square and open. Is that something you've worked on? Yeah, and it's something I think you got to do too because every, you know, horses know a a smart horse that, especially like that sorrel or that roan, they know when it's coming. So the less you can show it to them, the more true you're going to keep them. So I think it's just something you almost have to work on as a header because if you don't, you're going to start showing your horse exactly when you're throwing. You know, like right there, my sorrel almost didn't even know he was coming. He was almost too free. He didn't even know that was coming, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, like the other deal it can do is your swing stays real consistent. Yeah, yeah, like like your tip, like that's probably one of the hardest things to do at, like once we've got like the score and riding is understanding where your tip's at rodeo right? Yeah, and ride. for like, sure. Like, like to be able to have it pointed in the right spot. So the less you break at your waist and your shoulders – leaning forward or getting too far back the more you can really gauge where yep. your rope is at and, and
1: I think you're more you're more powerful with your rope too you know I think your core and everything stays behind your rope and you're able to it, you know if you reach you don't have to worry quite as bad about popping it off or leaving it short of the right horn because you still have a lot on your rope right right
0: okay well over here it at Canby um, one thing about this arena it's it's not as bad as Sykeson's left wall close though but it's very close <laughs> yep and and the, but I, the only thing that might be different here if i remember right is the boxes are pretty narrow feeling too like it, is they're it-
1: almost kind of narrow little tight uh Campy's not a real big it's kind of it's it's not a real big arena it's just right there outside portland so it's uh right in town and just kind of a little it almost has a little bit of a back east amateur rodeo feel like you're right in town and little arena and stuff these were the steers from cheyenne so nobody really knew what they were the only place they'd been was cheyenne and so you know we we kind of a little bit nervous on what they're going to do and we were the second team out and i don't remember who went first uh but their steer loped and but you can see bagay sitting right there i was sitting right by bagay and i said you think this one's gonna lope and he just kind of smiled at me like he does like he doesn't really say much i'm like (laughs) Uh, okay, sounds good. So I just kind of went off of him being like that first one. He was exactly like that first one. What was Barry here? Was it probably even? I think it was actually one over. There's one over here
0: too. So one over in a small arena. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I won't complain about that one. But uh, one thing about this is, as a header, you've got to have what you see kind of dialed in at this point because once you've rodeoed at this this long you're going to get some runs at the beginning where you know even if you're in the first three or four teams you got
1: to kind of have an idea of according to the measurements what you're going to see yep and these kind of shoots here that's actually kind of funny that i would point that out but these kind of shoots here are a nemesis for me because you can see like right there with that guy standing his kind of cowboy hat's in the way blocking the steer um you can see that there's a big solid plate right there and to me like that's like a ww or something to me that's like a, a real dead spot and i don't know why but i score i do not score very good on a shoot like that. It's that that big dead spot it's hard for me to watch what's coming and you know see exactly what i want to see around the end of the gates because i don't see to the pin i see around the end of the gate and so that kind of dead spot can be hard for me and so um my main deal was i was just trying to score sharp but i was trying to make sure that i had saw plenty because i had had a feeling this steer was going to be about like the one before and just lope you know yeah you know that's
0: it's funny because those are probably the reason why i went to scoring to the pin and try to stay scoring at the pin because that that's they just don't it doesn't read the same and, right. and i always would leave early or late and and having a hard yep. time getting that so typically like one over what are you going to see at the end of the gate usually
1: if the steers are good, usually you end up seeing somewhere around, like, front leg or maybe front leg by, which would be, you know, see front leg on the end of the gate, and then, like, after it's to the end of the gate, then go, not, you know, not when it gets there. Um And so I, I don't remember, but I think right here I was kind of planning on seeing about front leg. Okay. I, I remember maybe something about front leg here. And and so that's something, like,
0: too. When you're there, you've got your reference point, like what you're going to see, and then if he's good you and it's that long you and it's a two header here right yeah, for sure. so you're probably gonna be it's it's one of those things heading like if you've got a horse that just when you drop your hand blows you might go extra or if you've got a horse that can kind of throttle feather a little bit, yeah, yeah you can feather them out of that box and not give them that full send with your left hand but those are kind of your two options at that right. point when you don't really know the bear is pretty long and uh and you're right there at the front of it right. too. I think you get running downhill at these steers on this horse really good, don't you? Like that's, that's kind of like after watching a lot of these runs, it's like when you release your hand, it's like dropping the hammer. Yeah. Um, you probably
1: seen a touch extra right there and just got running down. Like you yep. just, and I like, you could see that bow gate or that overhead gate right there beside the head box. And uh, so you couldn't swing in the box. So I had it kind of, I had it, pulled down and i almost wished i could have been swinging because i didn't get as many like solid swings as i wanted to that steer like i swung about twice and just sent it at him but he was so good and like we were talking a while ago at this point we knew we needed to place in every round of day that we could because we were in you know needing to win so bad in order to make it um but yeah that horse does do a really good job at just staying flat and i mean like you said it almost feels like you're running downhill to him and it just feels like your horse is so crazy it feels like you have an upper hand you yeah know?
0: well and you play to him and because right. it's like right there you can see w- about the you your face i know you're not all the way in the frame right here at this but i'm on the fence right you, there right face like I, yeah.
1: I bumped into the fence on the yeah. faced.
0: and so that's it one of those other things if you do
1: reach right there um it's not going to work again yeah tanner had time. that tanner and patrick had that steer in the second round and Tanner does what Tanner does and hit the line and shipped yep. it. And and he ended up running in the fence so bad that they turned a four flat into like a five flat. I don't remember exactly how fast they were, but they made a great run, but they just got into the fence, you know? Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it, man. Is It's like a, this weird feeling
0: that you get sometimes. And, uh, right. like, cause you can take shots and you can make them but then they don't play like right. that yeah. and it's it's weird that's um that's something for headers to decide when and i think that's the like that's the balance but i think what you're gonna see like with a guy like you that's gonna play to his horse first use his horse that still has all the roping talent but the more you use your horse you can find like you'll get little wins in there as opposed to using your
1: rope first yep, right for sure this was filer uh these steers, I don't remember where they had been, um, but they were a little bit of everything. Some of them run, some of them low. Barrier was two over. Uh, we were in the after slack over there. We had, run, we had roped at Ellensburg that morning, um, and that steer Quinn, Kessler, and Caleb had in the perf, and they were four flat on him also, and so I knew he was a good steer. Nobody had a video, but I knew he was a good steer, and... And you had to see all of it. You had, to, like, you had to see them almost all the way out when they were that slow. The barrier was long, and it seemed like it took forever. So I just made sure I saw plenty and just went to them. And we just tried to make a solid run. I guess we were more solid than we thought. But we were four flat right there. Dougie did an awesome job of healing that trotter as soon as he switched. And I, I, that was one of my favorite runs over the summer.
0: Yeah, that and it's one of those, like, that steers – great steer right oh yeah <laughs> and uh and so all you got to do is get out of the barrier but the other thing too is this horse for being as fast like like running at him as, as it look like because you went one coil a lot like you pull you get a swing off this is a lot earlier right then yeah you, you've yeah i haven't seen you swing this early on him and he doesn't run through your shot and you're still able to like, you can see it as you get your second swing off, you really draw your rope down and you can see that steer just kind of checking off and giving up. Like, you know, that steer just like Quinn had just got, it. you know, and, uh, and that's one, like, it's easy to pop it off that steer right there if your horse stays a little too free. And and I think that's, um, there is a great steer, but there's little deals on there that he could have, you could have lost on him, you know? And yeah. And those are the ones
1: that, man you I don't think you can if you're gonna make the finals you you and that rodeo was tough we were we were right there towards the end of the slack, and I think when we backed in the box like four seven was winning like sixth, so you and for a two over barrier, that's doing it yeah. So, I mean you didn't really have time i mean if you wanted to win anything, you had to just go ahead and do it all you know right you there's one run it's it's the real
0: aggressive one over there at this at this rodeo right All right, so walla walla
1: um. Where are you guys at in the world standings at this point? By this point, we had went through that ten thousand dollar week at uh, the week of Caldwell and all that. Uh, we won a little bit the week of Kennewick and Bremerton. Uh, come back second high call back at Kennewick and had a steer that I knew was slow, and I broke the barrier. Uh, and I broke the barrier that same week. Bremerton was a one header broke the barrier to win second at Bremerton, and I broke the barrier to win the average at Kennewick, and. Um, After the week before, after having that $10,000 week, and then the week of Kennewick winning a little bit, and then breaking two barriers to make big moves, I struggled with a lot of self-confidence going into this week um, because we had moved up to about 18th or 17th in the standings, and once again, where standings, watchings can kind of hurt you, I got to pulling it up and figuring it up, and I had it figured where if I don't break them two barriers, I'm about 12th or 13th at this point. And that was hard on me because I, you know, I thought that maybe that cost me and this and that. And, and it. so going in this is the first steer of the next week and going on to this steer, I took a long time in the box. I had to take a lot of deep breaths. I had to tell myself that, you know, trust my process, trust my ability, trust my partner, trust everything. I had to do a lot of, you know, almost like premeditating in the box. Like I probably looked like a little bit of a weirdo in there because I took a minute. Um, but it was hard because I had just come off of a week where I cost myself probably an extra 7,500. And that was the, that was the difference at that point. As, as, as I don't know if you pay attention to the standings much, but from about 23rd to about 13th was all within just a few thousand bucks right there. And it, that it was just one of those deals where I would just would lay down at night and ask myself if I cost myself making the finals by breaking those barriers. So, um, Going into this steer, this was a pretty big steer for me because I was struggling pretty bad going into this steer. When you start breaking that down, cause like the first thing I see is
0: like, well, you blew the barrier out a ton of times in a row on this horse, right? right. So is that something that you look at right away? Is you're like, well, I, I'm scoring so aggressive that I'm gonna, like, you're bound to get some barriers, right? Like even the second steer, bull steers it at, at, Kennewick, I thought were probably too close, right. you know, like you, and, and then the same thing, like Sykeston, that, that was close. It was way close. Right. right? And, and, but that's okay because that's been the game plan was to do that. And the, the run holds up really good. So are you able to like, separate that and realize okay maybe I'm just getting too close to the barrier at this point or are
1: you like are you still saying I'm going to stay aggressive or what what's there it, it depends on the run because at Bremerton Bremerton was a one header and it was so tough you like we've talked about you had to take chances I leaked and I, I did some bonehead mistakes but yes I, I wasn't as hard on myself at Bremerton because it was a one header and I had one chance to win money and I was just going for it Kennewick I was very hard on myself at Kennewick because I knew that steer was slow the average wasn't easy at Kenwick, but if I make sure I get out and I go four eight, I still win about three, four, four, th- 3,500 in the average. Whether than you know, if even if I don't win it, I still win quite a bit of money. And I, I just was pressing too hard at Kennewick, I was I was trying to do too much. I was trying to make more out of the steer was almost too slow. You know, Quinn and Caleb had had him, and he was almost too slow. Like I. You can't make more out of a situation than what you're given, and that's kind of what I tried to do. I tried to do too much on a steer that wasn't that kind of steer. He was, he was literally too slow to make that kind of run on, and I tried to just blow it out one swing, crank it off, and I actually kind of had thought I got out, and when I faced, I looked back and seen the judge holding his hands up. Uh, and so there's certain times when I'm breaking it down where I, I I give myself a little relief and I say, you know, it's okay, that's going to happen. But I'm pretty hard on myself because I I run enough steers throughout the day on a normal week, just like today. I mean, I'm over here doing a podcast, but I've been up since about six, and I've been rope I've been roping all day, and so I tell myself that there's not a lot of times, there's not a lot of reasons for excuse because you're as prepared as anybody, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing is understanding the the mistake,
0: right? And so. Knowing when to press, like it's okay to press at a one header when you got to be fast, but a short rounder when the steers are a little bit slower, like you got to realize maybe at those two two headers with a short round, you might end up seeing more towards. Right. The, in the the second round, um, sometimes, and then also the short round too. You might need you might need to give them extra compared to what the move was earlier because it's just steers are slower, whatever reasons, right? Right for sure. Um, but that's that's also stuff like it's it's hard to figure out on the yeah it, a, there, you, know, you, on the fly. you can
1: almost break it down so much that you drive yourself crazy and 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 hurt yourself and so as to kind of contradict what i said there's also times where i tell myself chill out dumb it down it's not that hard it's what you do every day get out turn the steer it, it's not that hard to go catch two horns you know yeah and i have to tell myself that a lot so all right well one more before you nod your head um
0: because in our minds, at this point, you you know where you're at.
1: This is coming down the last couple of weeks. Right. I think this was uh, Ellen's. Ellensburg Labor Day weekend, right? Yep, Labor so Day this weekend. Was the this was the first week, the first rodeo of Labor Day week. And so uh, I think this was like, I think uh, the slack's on like a Tuesday, so this is Tuesday about lunch. And so obviously September September's the last month of rodeo, and I've, I've got... Th- like three weeks to, to rodeo and so, yes, coming down to this week, I know it's crunch time. I know it's time to do to make make stuff happen. Yeah. You know,
0: and and that's the thing now. So you've got to ride this line of okay, uh, you're gonna want to be perfect and you're gonna want to you're gonna want to bring your best stuff out. But the harder you try to bring it out, the the more you can get away from your actual execution. Right. So when you're saying you take a long time in the box, is that? is that what you're kind of doing is trying to get like clarity on like what you're going to do on this steer because you've had so many different situations now where it's kind of have changed where you're run at the beginning of the year
1: compared to now you're wanting to do different things. Is that, is that what it is? You know, I don't necessarily like to give my, not my secrets, but just kind of the few things I tell myself and kind of some of the stuff I have to think on a lot. But when I'm back in the box right here, uh, I just kind of closed my eyes for a second. I took a deep breath and I told myself, "Get out of the barrier. And trust your process. Like you're, like I said, you're you're as prepared. And I honestly believe I'm as prepared as anybody there. I rope. I work hard at it. I, I try. I care as much or more than I probably should even. Uh, and so I just told myself, like, stick with your plan. You know, just do what you do. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But you got to you got to do what you do. You know. And I just kind of had to remind myself that. I was there for a reason and stuff, so I I just kinda had to almost get a little bit, you know, I don't don't even know how you what how you would word it, but just had to kinda tell myself to trust the process a little bit.
0: Yeah, you you gotta be able to trust your process. Right. Exactly. And and I think that's like when we rope a steer and do something, we have the what we think on to get that that out and and to be able to react. And, And and if you don't have that that's probably something you need to to get because what's going to happen when there's all the pressure in the world like this steer? Because this is weird. It's a Tuesday afternoon at noon, and you haven't run one steer, and you've got nerves. Right. That's not normal, right? Yeah, exactly. But very few people are going to understand that because it's like, well, now you've been rodeoing all year, this is – you're to the, the moment.
1: Well, and um, I think a lot of people don't understand it because – it, it it's a whole new different kind of nervous whenever you're coming to the last few weeks of rodeo and then you have a chance to make the nfr which is you know most people's dream and it's definitely been my dream since i was a little kid and so backing in right here i tried to have to try to block that out a little bit because by this point that's about all you can think of when you lay your head down at night and or you wake up in the morning that's all you can think about kind of so yeah yeah and so now we've got this, this mental balance. Right. It's never happened before. And, right. and so uh, I get it. Walla Walla is kind of weird. The boxes are deep, real deep there. Um, and so you don't have to see that much on the steer, but there's still a pretty good ways from you when you hit the line. So I'm just trying to get quite a bit out of the blue right here and come across there and do my deal and head him and just let Dougie do what he does. And so, um, that was a, you know, decent round. I think we won like fourth right there, uh, Driggers and Colby and Paul and a few guys, they dang sure blasted one. And so um, we just made our run and let it win what it win. And I think, you know, it paid off. We won a little bit of money in the first round. So. Did you feel like there was just a weight of the world off your shoulders as soon as you faced right there? A little bit, yeah. Because yeah. that's, I mean – uh, you know, Dougie gets him up on the hips, and everybody's hollering and yeeing and everything. It was a pretty good feeling, just because I was, I had, I'd been kind of struggling. Like I said, I'd been struggling the last few days. So,
0: oh yeah, and and that's one thing about that slack. Everyone's there. Like you yeah. got like all the team ropers run one that morning, so they're all there watching, and the calf roping yeah. and bulldog and slack. So you get some, you get some good, you right. know, on the good runs, and and that's obviously like. That's picture perfect. That's your guys run. That's what we've been watching earlier. And for you to just pull it out just like that, in a in a big moment for you and, and not, that's one of those things. Like not a lot of people probably knew that. I mean, they do know, but not really, you don't, they don't know what you're feeling exactly, but right. it, it's probably a lot more pressure than, um, what anyone would think or expect. So
1: this was our second stare right here. Clayton Haas actually filled in for Billy Jack here. And, uh, that him and Billy Jack had him first, and this sucker, we knew he ran, and so, I just, I just kind of knew I had to hang it out a little bit, and so my plan was to hit the line, come across there, and get leveled off, and just ship it because we needed to still place an average, and we run that steer pretty decent ways to be five two.
0: That's rodeoing right there. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> that's one of those times where, you've
0: got to there's you got to say hey, uh, like you're just rolling the dice. Yep. you know you're you're. Sh- you're at the spot in the arena where you know like you can't go any further. Yep. And you've gotta get as much rope out there and then you get him by a neck and Dougie gets aggressive again. <laughs> and and Doug stays aggressive. And uh it's just a great job healing. I mean, there's not much you can like help with at that point, but it's still like that's one of those things where you know we do have a healer with a lot of confidence right there. And right. You've been able to give him a lot of good roles. He can stay believing in his shot. So for it's like sure. I think that's kind of what makes that. What do you guys win the average right there?
1: I think we won like
0: fourth. <sighs> it was, that was a tough, tough rodeo. It's funny for you know this this point. There's a few teams that have dropped out and went home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But man, the rodeos don't Still seem
1: tough. Yeah, yeah, they stay pretty tough. Uh, so this is Ellensburg, right? Yep. First one in Ellensburg. This steer actually, at Kennewick, he wasn't very good at all. He tried to stop, and he gets a little heavy and stuff. Um, like I said, this was too good of a rodeo not to try to win something. We were backed in the box. We were kind of towards the beginning. We backed in the box, and it was, you know, uh, I think 5-3 was winning it maybe. And so we just were like, well, let's try to do what we can do. My horse kind of got a little weird. Like he got a little bogged down right there when that steer got heavy as Doug was throwing. And he kinda quit moving when we faced. Might have cost us a couple tenths, but um, I thought for that steer and stuff, I thought Dougie did a good job just making sure he healed him. But I think this goes back to that that good upper body position. The steer's
0: got big horns and he's wanting to check off. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I think that comes from you being a like the good riding, but the upper body being so open that allows you to get a lot of horn coverage right here. And you've got a, a loop that goes right to left on the horns and he's, he's low headed, he's yeah. checking off and he's got big horns, you know, and you and Andy rodeo, and you're trying to kind of max one out. Exactly. And that's like, that's hard to get that much coverage right there. And, and I think that's, you know, that's obviously why you're able to to get him was I think a lot of that that good swing and that upper body. Right. How did you feel about Salinas? Give me the whole situation for Salinas this year because it's uh it's normally during the twenty fourth of July, like kinda with Cheyenne or like the sixteenth through the twentieth or something mm-hmm. like that, but it's right before or during Cheyenne. Um how did you feel about it being at the end of the year and what was kind of the setup for the rodeo this year?
1: Well, um so just kinda give you a little bit of a time frame from Ellensburg to now we went two weeks. We went the week of Lewiston and Puyallup, and then Pendleton. We drew the steer at Lewiston that we won Filer on, and he stopped pretty much when I headed him, and I popped it off, uh, and it took my breath away. Like, I was, I was. I mean, it's coming to the end. You know, I'm like, we had like five rodeos left, and I was like, I needed to win about 10-ish thousand, and I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. Go to Puyallup steers are weird they're little natives and they've checked all everybody else to talk of the town is how much the steers are changing like one round one set they'll be running off the next set they're stopping one of them didn't even break the neck rope like just crazy stuff um every steer before me and doug had just kind of loped and i knew ours was going to be decently sharp but i was scared like I, they were changing so much and not one of them had tried and made a rookie mistake and didn't trust the didn't trust it, tried to tried to think too much on what could happen or what if this, what if that. I seen way too much. I was a foot off the barrier. We run them down there, we we're like five three. Didn't make it back at Pialup. So there was the first week. Then we go to Pendleton. I barely, barely get the barrier on our first one at Pendleton. Still not sure how, but I get the barrier on our first one at Pendleton. Second one runs off. We barely even get to him, get whatever. So we go two big weeks right there where we don't win anything. Salinas is our last rodeo. We're, by this point, we're back down to like 19th in the standings. We have got to win 10,000 to get in. Oh, I knew about 61 or 2 would be the cut, and we had about 52 at the time. And so I knew we had, we had no choice. We had to win 10,000 if we want to make the NFR, at least 10,000. So going into the first round right here, we're in the first set. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't love that Salinas was the tour finale because – this setup right here is so weird. It's, uh, it's you know, it's a draw. Luke, and H- Luke Brown, Hunter Cook, they drew two running off steers. They made great runs at the back end of the arena. Didn't even make the progressive round because their draw took them out and that's what's hard about you know like you take guys that rope really good and put them in a normal setup if they draw the wrong a strong steer a lot of times they can still make it work when they have to you know not a lot of times but you know sometimes the the really handy guys are going to be able to still make it work and so right here i I didn't i I was nervous i was very nervous because i had never been to salinas hadn't really roped in many funky setups like this and so i was just very you know I, i was kind of my emotions were everywhere on it. I knew we had to win. Didn't have a choice. Obviously didn't have no control over where the tour was. So I was trying to be optimistic about it a little bit, but then in the same breath, I'm like, gosh, this is stupid. I got to see this steer 35 (laughs) foot out in front of me, you know, and it was just kind of a little bit of everything. So, yeah. Um, I mean, my opinion on
0: that is is real similar, right? Like, there's a reason why 150 teams would enter Cheyenne on a normal year, and there's 60 to 90 rodeo teams that are yeah. like rodeoing full time. It's like, well, they enter because they can.
1: Draw. They feel like they have a
0: chance. Yeah they, yeah, they can draw good enough and and win. Like anyone yep. can go draw a loper and win at exactly. those spots. Now, granted, I'm not saying they don't rope good, but those guys obviously don't believe or want to rodeo for a living for a reason. Right. So when you when you get that. The, there are a few rodeos like Pendleton, uh, Salinas, Cheyenne, and th- there's probably a few others where you don't even get a chance. Like right. you, you don't even have a chance. Like the steers is too strong and then their, their ones are just too good. Right. So like, it doesn't matter what you do. You, you don't even get a chance. Right. And, and so that's kind of crazy to think that this would be the rodeo that would decide who makes the NFR. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, but also with that, you, it's your job as a competitor. You've got
1: to be in the right mindset to win. Right, you've got to have the mindset of go do what you know to do, go do all you can do, and hope it's good enough. Hope you draw right, hope it's good enough. Don't wish bad luck on other people, but hope luck falls your way, you know, and it did. Uh, right here, we we uh, run the steers through. We had this steer down as like a medium steer. As you can see, it was just good. We run them down there, About, about I was a little off of it, uh, just because I feel like at a setup like that, You got to see him thirty five feet. So if you're a foot off the barrier, that's not even you know. If you're thirty five feet away from him, what's thirty six? You know, and so you can see we just go down through their little ways. I get him headed. Dougie gets it inside and gets him healed. We go eight three. I think we maybe one fourth or fifth in the round right here. Uh, I was pretty pleased with this run considering that you know the 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 end goal was to get to the progressive round and then the final four because that's where the big money was. You know. Right. So. What what is the round pay like right there? That eight three. What do you win right there? I don't remember. I know that the first two rounds over there didn't pay great because they had the progressive round and the final four so overloaded with money, which is fine. That you know that's that's good. Uh, and so I, I don't. I think we might have won eight hundred bucks or something for fourth or fifth in the round. Um, but you know, like I said, our end goal was to get to the to the final four. So right. And, and one thing about Salinas.
0: Uh, in case everyone's wondering wondering, uh, yes, both guys come out of the same box, yep. as you can see. And then the other thing, uh, you can see it right there, kind of in front of the steer on the shot. That cup
1: is yep. that—that's the move. That's the move. So, yeah. So most of the time, it's the old farts like Clay trying that, that stick the cup <laughs> out there. Uh, they kind of know exactly where it's supposed to go. As far as usually, it's about ten foot. Usually, they have some tape uh, like on their cord going out to the barrier. They'll have some tape on there and. So they'll they'll go out there to the tape, and walk out in the middle and stick that cup. Usually, kind of dig them a little hole and you know stick stick it where just a little about you know half inch of it sticking out of the ground or whatever, so nothing jumps at it. But usually, you just watch the cup, and when they come to the cup, that's when you dump the clutch. All right. So uh, what steer is this over here? This is the steer Brenton Hall and Chase trying with six nine on in the first round. It was and it was a. Bad to the bone run. Uh, Steer almost acted a little lost the first time, like, Brenton got a great start and come across there, and he kind of steers kind of head up a little lost, and Brenton pulls that bay horse off, snaps it on him tight. Hawks up there in a good enough spot where he kind of let him hit out there and then just pushed to him and one-two healed him, and they made a good run. So we were pretty pumped. He knew a little more where he was going right here, but this was a good one. We were in a spot where we just needed to make some kind of short eight-second run again to win good in the average and get back, and this was a perfect steer for that. He was fast enough to stay out in front of us where we didn't have no, you know, blowing up and almost running by, but he was slow enough where we could catch up to him good. And I think we were another 8-3 right here. Um I think we actually won second or third in this round, and one second average. All on the first two, they paid the average. So
0: okay, and you know one thing about that run too is it's like a there's a it's like a no hesitation yeah. shot out of you. Like that's that's the thing, man. Is you're in a you're in a spot where essentially this is the steer that punches your ticket to the finals right here is kind of like how it kind of worked out
1: was this is the one that got you there the progressive round steer was actually the one that punched the ticket uh obviously this steer helped because we had to get there first and so yeah in a roundabout way i'd say that in a way he was he kind of punched the ticket and so yeah he was he was a good steer because i was able to ride up there and i got leveled off right here and i was able to put it pretty tight between the saddle horn and his horns and Dougie got in there and healed him, getting away from him, and it was just a good, good, solid run for what we needed to do. You know, how confident did you need to be in that horse to go him and not the sorrel right there? It was real hard because I wanted to ride the sorrel, and Colby and Paul both told me. Like no, you need to ride something easy because the hardest thing you can do there is ride one that's up and running and not paying attention to your rope and he, that you know you're coming in so hot it's easy to pop it off and you ride one that stays flat and a little bit out of your way it's easy it's a little easier to do it. Uh, I don't know if maybe Colby was just telling me that because he wanted to ride this one there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in my experience, like that's, it's been the same way.
0: Like if I get a head horse that's really really fast and I made him run as fast as he can go. I didn't have that much fun over there right like if I drew a steer on him that wasn't that fast and I just throttled him it felt unreal like I was like it was like cheating but when I had to ask him for the top gear and you get that like real high-end run and it's where like I mean it's a cowboy setup you got to have a horse that's kind of will read the cow kind of getting down there and stuff and I think that's where that kind of comes in. Well, man, that's pretty cool to, to get to that spot, to come down there. Like, I think the the big thing about it is how
1: tough you got to be mentally at times. Like, there's just these. Absolutely. Yeah. There was, like I said, there was a lot of times I'd lay down at night, like that night after I broke Barry and Kennewick, and I was just sick. I couldn't sleep. I was sick. I was mad at myself. There's a lot of times you can get really down on yourself rodeoing, or, or and, and it happens, jackpotting, and even if you're staying home rodeoing, amateur rodeoing and stuff. But. It's a whole new kind of emotional roller coaster when you're out there and you're 20-something hours away from home and it's 20-something hours to the next rodeo and you got all this money up in diesel and fees and horses and so does your partner, and it's just hard, you know? Well, too, and you got to, like, it, it sounds good,
0: and um, I say it, and I hear it a lot, but, like, to get a game plan and stay with the game plan, right? Right. Well. There are times where you've got to make little adjustments and kind of, like, tweak on little things out there without crashing and burning, you know, without right. just completely messing your stuff up, yeah. you know? So I think, like, that's that's kind of the deal is, like, going to another horse, at take, taking a risk like that and... And to do those little deals that, that end up paying off, it's great because right. it's also, it can go bad. Like you could have got on a new horse and, and wrote bad on him oh, too. Sure. And, yeah, and, and that happens to guys. But I think that's like, that's part of it. Like, you know, going into it next year, like, Hey, I'll, I'll, probably have two or three horses ready to go for sure and and be able to manage them and and i think as long as you're like learning from that and kind of growing from those that's that's how you kind of like create the career out of it not the not the one times where it's like man we we don't know where we're at we're kind of on the bubble a little bit here and there and needing wins to go your way so right and and i think that's like how you improve your game right is learning from the the little mistakes that are made and then how like what works best for you throughout the whole time right for sure Man, I appreciate you doing this with me. Um,
1: yes, sir. You Hope know it can
0: help some people. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you uh, you'll set up the NFR arena and kind of get going for that this year. Got
1: it at Vegas, right? This right. year. Yep. Uh, I'm sure, and I've never been there. I've never done it, but just a little bit. I've asked around. Uh, I think you can overdo that a little bit, and so what like I said, trusting my process. My process has worked for me so far. So I'll probably just stay with my normal deal, roping over there at Paul's every day and riding a bunch of horses and just doing my normal deal and roping. Just normal for most of the time. I think about the middle of November, me and Doug might try to do something somewhere and set us one up and just run a handful of steers in it every day, uh, just to make sure that my horses know how to come up the wall and make sure he knows where the steers headed when my horse is thinking about coming back up the wall, you know, and, Long as we got that down, I think we'll be all right because I, our, our plan going out there is just to have a run and stick with it and hope everything falls in all falls into play, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's the deal. Like, they're being sharp with your rope
0: and like right. your face and all that, and it's enough steers out there that that's kind of what you want too. Right. So for sure, and that's kind of how your head game's built, anyways. So for sure. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Yes, sir.